genre. Hey, what's that, April? Some kind of weird Japanese antique egg timer. Cappuccino? That makes me hyper. It seems the scepter has magic powers. Hold on, dudes. If April's back in feudal Japan, does that mean we, like, have to ride that scepter back through time to get her? It's equal mass displacement. Step back, dudes. I just brought us some heavy artillery. Hey, Casey. <laughs> Welcome back. T-minus two minutes and counting. Let's go, my dude. Okay, the inscription says open wide the gates of time. Work. All right, already. Let's go. Go with care, my son. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. It is the daily, almost daily, three times a week, not daily, thrice weekly podcast where we are watching the third. Got it right the third time because we're watching the third Ninja Turtles film three minutes at a time, three times a week. Because if we watched it one minute at a time, we would all kill ourselves. Um, <laughs> and we don't want that to happen. And each other. And probably each other. That voice you're hearing is Mr. Adam Sheehan right there. Hi, Adam. Hello. And also with us today is Ms. Rachel Gatlin. Hello. I don't know why I say also, like you're not always here. Right. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> amazingly also here is Chris O'Connor. <laughs> yeah, and that'll be three minutes for stating the obvious. <laughs> oh, I get penalized yeah. hockey style? Oh, man. To the penalty uh, box with you. Oh. That's a quarter for the don't jar. <laughs> <laughs> don't. don't we have a swear jar this season we also? We do, but uh, nobody said any yeah, curse we... words. Uh-oh. Wow, Chris. Uh-huh. There it is. Chris donating to the jar. Always the um, I think I'm the only one who has. I, Chris, listen, this is, it's not about the jar. It's, it was an intervention. We're trying to tell you something, man. <laughs> Twice! No, it's fine. It's fine. And once um, is a joke! <laughs> uh, joining us again is uh, our old friend. Well, he's not old. I mean, he's an eh. old friend of ours, but he himself is not old. It's, it's Sean Jaffe, everybody, from Teenage Mutant hey, Ninja Turtles, up hi, from everyone. below, from Rememorex. Uh, from Broadcast 13. Hi, Sean. How you doing? Hi. How's it going? We're good. We're better now that you're here. Oh, that's very sweet. Sean, I apologize that we've roped you into this uh, train of chaos. <laughs> this uh, dumpster this is fire not of a... my first chaos train. I'm fine. <laughs> As chaos um, trains go, this is, this is nice. It's like an Acela. Do you think that's <laughs> the alternate title for a uh, crazy train? Ooh, chaos, chaos train. Climbing on a board. On a mildly inconvenient locomotive. <laughs> That's what it was. Going I want off that the whole rails song. in this chaos train. <laughs> I want that whole song. Uh, I'm going to need that on my desk by tomorrow morning. Uh, careful, because when you ask for music on this show, sometimes it has a way of happening. Uh, that I, I'm a well Need aware. I direct you to the record, record, record song? <laughs> I forgot um, about the record, record, records. A new record. A new, new record. Uh, I'll play it for you later, Sean. It's stupid. I'm on board. Um, but speaking of stupid things, we're here talking about minutes 58 to 60 from Ninja Turtles 3. Uh, this minute starts with Raphael and Yoshi flying a kite and ends... 
ends with the most ragtag bunch of hockey players since the Mighty Ducks. Thanks, is, is there anything is there anything more wholesome than flying a kite? Not I really. mean, apple pie, warm apple pie. Eating apple pie while flying a kite. I guess that and sounds hold, and, and holding a puppy. Aw. Speaking of chaos train. <laughs> um. But anyway, we're here to talk about these minutes, so let's talk about them. Yeah. Um. Are we? So we we fly a kite. I'm curious why they felt the need to use the stunt Raphael head to fly the kite. Because it it's looks easier better. to see out of it. <laughs> it looks better, easier to see. I'll take I both have of a those theory. answers. Go ahead, Sean. You need wind to fly a kite, right? Hmm. I mean, maybe, d- maybe well, the way you yeah. do it. I guess. <laughs> I, think so I was going to say, like, it, maybe Scott. the wind was blowing off the other head, but the other head would have more animatronics, so it'd be heavier. <laughs> Yeah, I got nothing. Maybe, no. I got maybe nothing. because it was a wide shot, they didn't need the yeah. the yeah, actual I guess head. Just easier. He Ladies needed to be able to move freely in the field, uh, you know, and not. Once again, out. Rachel Gatlin bringing us to our senses. Yes, obviously, that's got to be the answer. I would imagine it's, they just didn't care. Like, just put well, this stupid stunt head on. Also, it's if easier. you're running in a field, maybe you'll fall over, and it'd be better to fall over it's in a like head that's not full of animatronics or a rock True. or something. Yeah. Do you think that the Raphael actor had to learn how to fly a kite to do this? Do you think they actually flew the kite, or is it up on a wire? Uh, it does again, seem a little Again, it depends on if they had the right weather conditions there. that day. And oh. even, well, even then, even if the weather conditions are good, like setting up a shot, doing the shot, like getting the coverage that you want, I wouldn't want to leave that to chance with the, yeah. like, <laughs> wind, with the wind. Uh, hmm, yeah. um, the villagers are really I happy that Raphael is spending time with this child, which makes me think, does this kid's mom not ever hang out with him? They're just well, like, oh, look, Yoshi finally has a friend. Well, she is leading a revolution. Okay, have we Have fair. we established that uh Yeah, Mitsu actually, now that is, I think about it. Yeah, is, is that... Oh. Are they... Yeah. Is, yeah, maybe I, I, I just made that assumption. Maybe her little brother? Yeah, I, 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 I thought, thought it was that, her little brother Yeah, because, I thought it was her little brother, too. Because they both refer to the old man as OG. OG yeah, son. that makes yeah. sense. Grandpa. Uh, okay. And I so, think... That, I, and I, I think Kenshin and and her are supposed to be teenagers like the turtles. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. They're, I mean, they're, they're obviously daughters. not, but I think they're supposed to be. What happened to their parents? Uh, uh, well, born, it is a few, right? <laughs> the, the, the parents died in the war. <laughs> we got like an is avatar. That why, like, is that why she's thing, rebelling? Right? Maybe. Maybe. That's a good she's reason. Traumatized. They're being, they're being raised by grandpa. Yeah. What for if, reasons. What if Kenshin was the one that killed Mitsu's parents? <laughs> no. No. Am I trying too hard now? Yes. Yeah, you're trying way too hard. <laughs> yeah, that, that, we don't lay your. We don't need to. We don't need to anime this. <laughs> we don't need to um, Game of Thrones it. But this is this is Renaissance era Japan. I mean, diseases were common, so. But maybe. once again, they are at war. Like just because yeah. Kenshin didn't kill her parents doesn't mean that like his dad did. The daimyo mm-hmm. probably. True. You know, he has a lot of soldiers. Somebody probably did him in. Yeah. yeah. Um. We cut ahead to these target dummies being fired upon by guns. And my first question is, did we need to put the hats, the cone-shaped hats, on the target practice dummies? Was that something that we had to do? Maybe. Did I? I feel like there's a very dark implication there, right? Yeah. yeah the Englishmen don't wear those hats. Yeah. The uh, the coolie hats. Yeah, they're they're yeah. they're they're making they're they're making a clear statement to everybody around them. And, and meanwhile, Walker is having a nice little painting session with some watercolor. Bef- yes. I want to talk about the painting. Can Fancy we pause contracts. 
There's something else that happens first. So because we have this fancy new Zoom technology, I'm going to share my screen with you oh, guys. Oh, good. Ooh. And I want to play this little bit of video, and hopefully this technology doesn't screw us up too much. But oh, I want you, yeah. can you, do you see that. the video right here? You got the yes. video? Yeah. I want you to keep an eye. We're watching the scene where the uh, Walker's men are loading their weapons and firing on these target practice dummies. And on the very left side of your screen, you're going to see one of them loading his gun. And I'm just going to just watch him, and we're going to listen for your reaction, see if you notice the same thing I did. All right, so he fires the gun shot. We cut to the wide shot of the guys. <laughs> and did you see it? Did you see it? Adam he saw it. Play it again. In the eye. He pokes himself in the eye, loading his own gun. He's using the ramrod to pack down the powder in his gun, and dumbass pokes himself. <laughs> I promise, I am great. going to find Where a way to turn this. I'm going to turn this into a gif. That's I don't great. know how to do that, but I'm going to find the way to Three do that. Three rounds a minute. <laughs> yeah. I've never noticed that before. I don't think it was intentional. Probably not. I almost not. think it's just the act. I don't think he really did it. I think it's the actor goofing around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's brilliant, and I love it. And it's possibly my one favorite part from this entire movie right now. <laughs> it would be amazing if that was a, a piece of screen direction. They're like, you on the very left, uh, poke yourself in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. Here, do this idiot thing. I, I want to think that it wasn't planned and like no one noticed it or like they noticed it too late and they're like, well, just keep it in. Right, your God, if you don't tell scene, them, they'll never see it. The crew are supposed to all be like just complete goobers. So yeah, true. <laughs> your motivation um, in this scene is you're a total jackass. I love the idea that the others are perfectly normal and they're like, they're like uh, you, you're the idiot. You, you do idiot stuff. He, he's, he's like, like I'm on it. Trooper. He's like that stormtrooper that bangs oh, yeah, head the on the door. Oh yeah, the clock's head, yeah. Yeah. That became um, a whole thing. Yeah. True. <laughs> Rachel, talk to, us about the, talk to us about the painting. Yeah, Walker is painting some lovely flowers while his men are having target practice. He like, has a whole, like, end table yeah. and everything. I At first I thought he was having a nice little lunch. He's a gentleman. But no, he's Very painting. Very nuanced villain. I, it, so that's what I was going to ask, Sean, is, like, what is the purpose of having him just painting while this is happening. What do you, what is your take on this? My take on this is that the actor is like I'm playing a villain from a different movie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the mask of Zorro. Okay, so th this gets into like some some fundamental issues here that I, I need to get off my chest, right? So this is this is a scene that is showing us a lot because first of all, it's showing us that like Walker is a man of culture and therefore a force to be reckoned with. You know who else you could easily see doing a watercolor painting in his downtime? Splinter, right? He's got that kind of a mind. I think that's what they're trying okay. to show us, which is weird because that's a pretty high-minded thing for the movie that also spent like five minutes on a ha-ha, they landed in poop joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> but again, it feels like they got this kind of like classy British character actor who's like, I'm going to elevate this to the best of my ability. And this is what he was bringing, right? Is like, this is an interesting villain. There's, there's layers here. The problem with the whole thing and I'm sure you guys have gotten into this, but I'm coming in cold, is that, like, this scene shows us, like, how dangerous the guns are. Uh, and this kind of gets into my problem, and, and I'm going to go on a 
uh, if you haven't noticed, digressions are my thing. That's what I'm bringing mm. to the table. I'm gonna. <laughs> That's what this whole show steer is. us way the uh, hell out. If we didn't digress. It wouldn't be a show. Have you met us? Okay. <clears throat> Star Wars. Okay. I've had. <laughs> this is just a, Star Wars. <laughs> a huge problem with Timothy Zahn. I have a personal issue with him based off of stuff that happened at Gen Con in 2000. Uh, yeah, the year 2000, Gen Con. Okay. That's off the table. My just story-wise issue with Timothy Zahn, and everybody loves to goob out about like how great his novels were. Mm. They're not. They're not good. I tried the, to reread them recently. They like I read them as I read really them as a kid bad. in the mid '90s, and I really loved them then. And I recently tried yeah. to reread it. But it and was, was great like, because it was more Star Wars, and that's what we yeah. wanted. But if it. you look at it with any sort of critical lens, it's garbage. Thrawn is sort yeah. of a halfway passable character that is clearly much more interesting when handled by people that know what to do with him, like Dave <laughs> Filoni. Almost everyone else is kind of terrible. And, Master Saboth. Uh, God, awful, right? <laughs> But, like, the problem I had was that, like, the big climactic scene in the first novel is, like, Luke is there and, like, he's coming down this road and then, like, suddenly there's an Adat Walker and we're really terrified because, like, it's an entire Adat Walker versus Luke Skywalker. And somehow we're expected to forget that this is no problem at all for Luke Skywalker. In Empire, he literally takes out an Adat Walker on his way to the parking lot. <laughs> it is a problem for him, right? He's already done this, and he's already done this sort of as an afterthought. He's like, okay, they crashed my ship. I should probably take down this giant menacing war robot. And it was a point of showing us like how far he's come that he's like, oh, I'm going to casually take out the third Adat Walker by myself without a spaceship because I'm kind of a Jedi now and I can do that kind of thing. And that was an important moment that is entirely thrown away because they're just saying, like, this is big, he's small, maybe he won't win. No, we know he's going to win. <laughs> I'm telling you that story to tell you this. In two movies, people with guns have been zero problem to the Ninja Turtles, right? All they have to do is throw a, a, a shuriken or a sai, the gun is out of the guy's hand, and somebody's getting an ass-kicking, right? Because they've, they've brought up guns before. These have guys they? are carrying blunderbusses. Wait, have they? I don't think I don't think we've we've dealt I don't think with guns. Were, the Foot Clan so, used no guns, and I'll, yeah, I don't think there's been any. I'll guns contextualize this. It might not have happened in the films, but we've seen in the, cartoon. Of the cartoon shows yeah. and in yeah, the cartoon know books. Who they know are. That like ray guns, guys, whatever. It never been an issue. We, we you know there's there's plenty of times we've seen the Ninja Turtles. Like you know even if we're not getting into the nuance of the films, right? This yeah. is clearly designed for an audience that knows who these guys are. Fair. And you can kind of come into it cold. It's not like a direct continuation of the movie's storyline. So you're <laughs> expected, like, you know who the Turtles are, you know who Splinter is, you know who Casey is, you can go from there. Right. And the default setting for Ninja Turtles to introduce them is they're interrupting a mugging, and the primary tool of a mugging is a gun. We know a gun is no concern for the Turtles. And... In every single story, they just take out the guns immediately. And the, we're talking like nine millimeters, right? They're in New York. These people have real guns. And suddenly this movie is trying to set up the idea that the turtles are scared of like blunderbusses. And it just doesn't seem to hang together, right? Like, like again, these guys can take out people with nine millimeters with zero effort. So the idea that, you know, a blunderbuss is somehow going to pose a problem 
doesn't make a lot of sense. So you're taking the the bad guy of this movie is not actually Walker. It's the, intended to be the weapon, and it makes well, Walker keep, seem less of a. They keep putting all this danger? emphasis on the fact. Oh, he's got guns, and it's like, yeah. So you guys are ninjas. The, if the '80s taught us anything, it's the trickle-down economics don't work, and that ninjas beat guns every time. There were very few lessons, but those were clearly big ones. Ladies and gentlemen, you can send your payments to Sean Jaffe at gmail.com for that master class you just took. Um, but I'm, li- I'm yeah. happy to have sat through your TED talk. <laughs> I would like to, to subscribe to your newsletter, please. Um, so, and I guess I see what the point you're coming from is they're they're trying. I looked at this whole Walker painting thing, and that's how this conversation started. For those of you who forgot, wow. yeah, um, sorry. I looked at this. I Walker- promised the digression, and I no, it's fine. I look at this as them. Doing the it's like Raphael eating the apple in the first movie, yeah. right? Yeah. Like he's intended to be this Character. violent, cold person, and they're juxtaposing it with this sort of delicate uh, act that he's doing, right? Yeah, they're the, trying to build some sort of um, personality out of this. I don't know. Go the ahead, other, Rachel. The other side of that is he doesn't care about what's going on. He's so unbothered by the the fight or whatever that he's painting. Yeah, the killing that's about to happen does not bother him as long as he makes his money, right? Yeah. I, I'm yeah. sure that uh, this trope has come up in other movies, and I'm blanking on where I've seen it before, where the villain is just so unbothered that they're, like, just doing some it's, activity. It's a very James Bond villain kind of thing to do. Like, yeah. I'm the bad guy, but I'm just so classy. I'm, I'm, I'm just so big. I'm stroking a big fluffy cat. I am so unbothered <laughs> yes. by James Bond. Uh, yeah. Going back right. to what I was just talking about, uh, 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 a a uh, murderous archvillain who loves art, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. His, his Fair, bridge true. full of an art collection. Yeah. I wasn't just Conquered, rambling. I have a races. point sometimes. <laughs> that wasn't lucky for me. <laughs> How did you say his like alien assassin race, like henchmen, no gree? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, it's, uh... Join us for <laughs> Grand Admiral. Welcome Thrawn to Star Minute. Wars Minute, everybody. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's that's already a show. But anyway, um, <laughs> we're gonna keep going through this, and then we cut to. Uh, I guess we're into minute sixty now. Walker Walker takes his cigarette and he snuffs it out in the cannon, and the cannon fires and it blows up all the rest of the dummies. Does anyone else have to say anything about that scene, or did we cover that? I think. I would think there we be got enough? That. Would Would there be enough of an ignition from his? Yes. Yeah. Cigarette? Yeah, I okay. think they did that pretty yes. regularly. So a, a cigarette is like, I mean, it's basically like a burning punk. And like when mm. you want to set off cannons, you have a little burning punk around all the time that you use to light your cannons off. Doop, doop, I hate doop. punkers. <laughs> yeah. Green ones. That's that word. Um, so then we, we are brought back to New York City present day or 1993. Uh, and Kenshin is staring at a poster for the Uptown Ballroom Academy. And he's mm-hmm. holding like a third of an old school tennis racket, which for years I thought was some sort of like shuffleboard stick. <laughs> I did not realize that it was just a broken tennis racket. Yeah, like <laughs> what is he doing with that? <laughs> He's just seething, apparently. <laughs> Again, that's um, a really clever thing because like the only person that would have that is Casey Jones. It'd be mm-hmm. like you would think. 
I cracked this over somebody's head, and uh, I could probably hurt somebody else with it, so I'm going to keep it. Like got a few like, good yeah. hits left in it? Yeah. That poster, though, raises a, a lot of questions. Like, why did the turtles have this? Do you think it was already one of the already few posters to survive being in flushed. the subway? Yeah. Maybe. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Like, the idea that it's, it's you know, they're in one of those abandoned subway. I mean, they are. The old yeah. pneumatic transit system. It's still here. <laughs> I, I got the Ghostbusters. That, like, you know the, the design of the, and especially the, the layer, and you know, is something I kind of wanted to bring in, even when we were doing up from below, is that it's just decorated with whatever you could find that would be at all like interesting. You know, right? It, it kind of has like a like a Bennigan's quality of like we found this, we put it on the wall. <laughs> Your box car doesn't have enough pieces of flair, right? <laughs> oh, the crazy the, crap on the walls. They just the, live in the, a Fuddruckers. <laughs> <laughs> the Ballroom Academy poster is kind of a Bruce Tim-esque style of artwork. It's that kind of art yeah, deco, clean yeah. lines kind of thing. I like it. It's it's cute. Um, but then we cut to the shot of the uh, the Honor Guard dudes are just now fully Americanized and watching hockey and stuffing their faces with processed food. They are drinking what seems to be uh, Kool-Aid Cool Bursts. They're eating. Way popcorn what's that it's kind of canadian really like they're like I, it is a little canadian like they kind of got like a a bob and doug mckenzie thing going where they're just you know like <laughs> junk food and hockey that's this it's very uh strange I, brew i have I a question reference twice um first off there is on the the hockey broadcast i'm just i paused on it real quick there's a an advertisement on the the boards of the hockey arena for WRTV Channel 6. Mm. Um, and I'm looking at that, and WRTV 6 is Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, I don't know. what is there an Indiana hockey team? There's got to be. Uh, I don't know, Indiana right? Fuel. Indianapolis. Indianapolis Ice. It looks like uh, minor league teams. But anyway... Um, that to me is just interesting that it must be like the Islanders playing the, some Indiana or, or not I mean, even Islanders, have like some, some, some stock footage team. of, uh, yeah, sure. like, a, um, but a game. my other question is as the honor guard are focused on the fight of this hockey match they're watching on television, at what point does Casey Jones go, Oh, I just, I need to teach them what hockey's really about. <laughs> <laughs> like at what point does he decide that this is worth further? It's like, education. Dude, just I mean, just keep them on the couch. Keep boredom? filling them with yeah. like junk food. Stop he has it. he has nothing else to do. Play it safe. You're the badass from the first movie. You killed Shredder. Like you're, and they call you back to babysit. Yeah. Also, I used to have that same exact hockey mask. And <laughs> I want to talk about that hockey mask. It's disappointing that it's not Casey Jones's hockey mask. Yeah. So he puts mm. on this goalie mask to train these four Stooges. And I remember, because I feel like I've seen that hockey mask or have also used that one. It had, like, really weird foam on the inside that yeah, it did it, not appear all dissimilar from a diaper. After a while, <laughs> it just starts to smell like shin guards. Mm. Right. <laughs> but why didn't we get the actual Casey hockey mask? Like, that's so disappointing. I don't know. Might have been lost. Right? I just, I don't understand the point of... Having Casey Jones in this movie and not have him do a single Casey Jones There's thing. There's a lot of And weird Elias Codius still has the mask. Right. Yeah. He does? <laughs> he w- so then, yeah. That, there's a lot of weird stuff that, like, should be picked up that doesn't get picked up. And it's... it's sort His of, wig is really pit pretty in this shot. It 
it almost feels like maybe this is a <laughs> script for something else. Like that happens a lot. <laughs> Did Who it, was know? just saying that? Someone was just on the show saying that was a couple it? weeks ago. Uh, Jason Norm- or some one Norman? of our other guests from the past like, maybe week. Maybe this I, was yeah. supposed to be was like, like three ninjas. I think it was Norman. And then they like You're saying this was supposed to be some other movie. Turtles? And then they're like, yeah, you're not the only person to say that. Because it's really funny. Here's another some- through line that never gets picked up, right? It's like, and in, in we were talking about this while we were watching it, like me and a couple of my friends. The kid they say. Did your friends is, watch this? Is Yoshi. Uh, well, I mean, we watched some terrible stuff in the past. This, is, <laughs> this barely moves the needle. Um, okay. And uh, it, you know, it dawned on us like, like, there's no connection, right? Yep. We're going back to, and it seems like the logical thing to do here is to have like, if you want to have like mercenary villains showing up on behalf of like this morally questionable but redeemable daimyo, that like indicate like an outside evil presence, rather than having like English gun runners for no reason, where's the Foot Clan? Right? Why wouldn't it be them? Right. right. Yeah. If this kid is Yoshi, We've why not have him be before. like one of Hamato Yoshi's like ancestors or something? But like yep. none of that comes up, which frankly is a more realistic take. There are other people in feudal Japan, but just <laughs> this type of storytelling would much more lend itself to something where like, oh, this is all going to affect our immediate world. So it's going to be like the Foot Clan and, and Yoshi and, and, and all that, but like none of that comes up. And yeah. and this this comes back to something you were talking about earlier this week where you were saying, um, why create a new character that... Or I, I think we were talking about this off mic. Were we talking about Mortal Kombat on, yeah. on mic? Yeah, I think it was, it was off no. mic. we talked... We talked was about it on mic? No, that was on, on mic. mic. Okay. Anyway, okay. but, but Sean was saying, like, why create a character? Yeah. Like, why... You, you have a rich... Deep, rich bench of characters <laughs> to pull from. Well, there, it's there, true. Yeah. There's this Sonic in, in game, and I forget, I forget the name of it, but like the whole concept is you like create a character and you're friends with Sonic. Like, okay, but I want to play as Sonic. I don't want to be this <laughs> this insert character. It would be like it would be like playing a Zelda game where you're not as you're not playing as Link. You're like Link's friend. <laughs> it's, it's already been established within the canon of the the Turtles films that the the Foot Clan is something from years ago in Japan. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's a crime. I I think I don't know how we could confirm this, but I I, I think this script was a treatment for something else. They found it, it really and then just like, reworked yeah. it. So here's the thing. Get, Let's someone go to the, Kim Dawson on the phone. We're, we're <laughs> ninjas go. travel through time. We're going to go to the credits, and the person who wrote and directed this film is a guy by the name of Stuart Gillard, written by and directed by, okay? Now, Stuart Gillard had nothing to do with the previous two films. Todd Langdon wrote the first one. I believe he wrote the second one as well, so there is a little bit of a tie-in there. It seems like they cut almost all ties between two and three, except for some of the actors and, I guess, Kim Dawson, right? (laughs) Um, But Stuart Gillard... Looking at his career as a director, it's TV shows. It's not great TV shows. <laughs> um, looking right. at his, like, check it out, All Souls, Hatching Pete, Avalon High. He was on 90210 as a co-exec producer. Uh, the Beauty and the Beast TV series, the the new version of Charmed he's involved with as an executive producer. As a director, you're looking at... Um, more TV shows, One Tree Hill, 
if I go back to the like his early days, Magical World of Disney, Man Called Sarge, The New Adventures of Black Stallion. And if you look at his credits as a writer, it's oh god, it's the Sonny and Cher show. It's Three's Company. It's the Captain and Tennille in Hawaii. Donnie Marie, Mork and Mindy, Spring wow. Fever. Check it out. Like this guy. Who Stuart Gillard and I don't know him. I'm just not familiar with the bulk of his work. Doesn't strike me as the kind of person to do a film in a comic booky action um, genre with well established characters like this. Right? He seems like a guy who has sort of more done. Like I don't know. I guess he's done a bunch of TV shows, but like. You got you have someone running the show above your head there. I I just it, to me this blows my mind. It doesn't seem like this guy knew what the hell he was getting into. I'd be surprised if he knew anything about the turtles at all. I'd be surprised if he'd seen the other two movies. He's or kind read of a sword comics. for hire right. at that point. Yeah, yeah. He's just like hey guy who can direct things probably for cheap because you haven't done much yet at this mm-hmm. point in your career. Like he sort of starts his career in the early eighties, um, and then. Turtles 3 is is not deep into his list of credits. Like it, it's not a ton of stuff before that comes along. Hmm. Um it just seemed like a guy who probably had a a good amount of experience and could do it cheap. Yeah. But uh I look forward yeah. to our interview with him in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll guarantee you one thing, he's not going to listen to this episode of the show first. Well, if we, <laughs> if we ever do if we ever get to sit down with with Kim again, I I do want to ask him about this theory that this this is kind of a reworked script. I'm sure it we feels like a way to ask. It really does. And Sean, you're not even the first person to bring that up. So yeah, um, it, it really feels like it because it, yeah, it just doesn't feel like this is the the universe that the turtles are in. It's, it's yeah. a right. very different. And thing. it's it's extra confusing for me too because like a lot of people in involved in the turtles world in the turtles film world cite this as like their favorite one like kevin eastman told us this was his favorite out of the three which is wrist said he had a great time working on this one too it just it came up in a facebook group i'm in i won't say which one but someone was like oh yeah this one's my favorite i remember going to see this with my mom and i'm like what there's nostalgia can hide a lot of imperfections (laughs) yeah yeah um and to be fair, like for a seven-year-old watching this movie, I could understand it. Like I was entertained by it at that age. Like I got a new Turtles thing. I had Turtles with, you know, Samurai. I hadn't seen that before. I can understand that being exciting. It's a little harder to look back on nowadays. Um, but like it, I think its target demo probably enjoyed it for the most mm-hmm. part. I think well, you'd I think be hard-pressed to find people who saw this yeah, as a kid that, and said, I walked out of the theater and thought it sucked. We, <laughs> we, we're, we're seeing this, this, this downward trending in terms of the age that this stuff is being marketed towards. Um, and that yeah. was, you know, I told you guys my, my great story about the first movie uh, and my, my big connection there. Um, for anybody that didn't listen to uh, Up From Below, uh, one of my, my, like, coolest moments I ever had as, like, a kid in the... New York, New Jersey area was I went to Forbidden Planet. Uh, like it was like the first or second time I'd ever been there, which is like the big comic book shop in New York. Um, and there was some guy that was in the basement, which is where they kept all the back issues. And he was just buying every Ninja Turtle comic they had, <laughs> like all of them. Right. And we were like, 
dude, what the hell? Like, that's kind of cool. Like, are you, like, rich or something? Because he's, like, he's just this shaggy-looking kid like us. He's like, no, no, I'm a PA, uh, and I'm, uh, this is for, we're making a Ninja Turtles movie. And they're like, oh, shit. So we knew that there was going to be a Ninja Turtles movie before anyone else. Like, it was me and my three (laughs) dirtbag metalhead friends. And we were like, oh, man, this is so cool. The funny part of that is we know that issues of the comic book were basically just tacked up on the board in the director's office for that first movie. So so they might have seen. Yeah, Mm -hmm. those books might have been torn up to shit. Oh, I'm sure they were. And I, and I, but like, it means. They cared about, like, keeping it consistent with that. And the original comics were pretty dark and not aimed at kids. This is very much a kids movie through and through. Well, and then I guess to... to to, We're we're getting to the 30-minute mark here, and I do want to wrap this up. But to kind of come back at you on that one, my sort of working theory behind this movie is that it's actually more like the comic books than the second one was. The first movie is very much like the first two comic books. This one is very much like issues four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, um, which feature you know aliens and time travel and outer space and all, like, yeah. But this doesn't have any of that, Scott. True, true. But the, <laughs> damn it, Adam, it's it's that fantastical element. The story idea of time travel does sort but of that's feel the like more only of, magic that's introduced here, and right. I think that's the failure of it. And and like the weird part is that like you know there's nothing really for the turtles to do. There's no villain. The villain Mm -hmm. is like a conniving gun dealer. That's, that's, that's a random Tuesday for them. You know, and that's you know again. The last they, they've shut down had, gun runners before, and doesn't really have anything yeah, to do. The last with the movie had three mutants. Element itself. Yeah, we had and one of those mutants was was Shredder, and it seems weird to me that we go back to feudal Japan and there's no like crazy time travel wizard. The comics yeah. had a time travel wizard. True, I've got a yeah. book about it. Yeah, the time travel. <laughs> going to make that your problem. Uh, <laughs> man. Go ahead, yeah, Chris. It would have been cool to have like Renette or you know some other oh, kind of. I would have lost my entire tiny little mind if Renette. <laughs> yeah. Up. And, yeah, like, and I mean, like there was plenty of people that Lord you could have cast as Renette that would have been perfect at this point in time. Gone bonkers. Hmm. I want yeah. Devito as Lord Simultaneous so bad. <laughs> my teeth. So I took out my gun. <laughs> so I started blasting. <laughs> that started I time traveling. In this trying time. Oh, God. Can you anyway. imagine, like, Tim Burton's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to either. <laughs> yeah. Like Batman 89 style Ninja oh, Turtles. No, it would have had Nicolas Cage in it. It would have been oh, really man. bad. <laughs> it would have had, right, so, had, had, had Johnny Depp. It would have had Johnny Depp in it inexplicably. Like that's uh, yeah. Well, There's our Jones. As, <laughs> not, as not in the early '90s, not necessarily. Mm, yeah, in not, the early '90s, then. he had a little more restraint. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess. Let's let's wrap this party up. Uh, the last thing that kind of happens is Casey's about to teach these guys hockey, and they all bow in unison, and it looks like we're going to get a really pleasant hockey game. Um, so congratulations Does to Casey it? Jones for for teaching people a new thing, and then that brings us. Uh, to the, oh, uh, Iba Kakriba. That's yeah. the other thing. One of these voices, Rachel. Yeah, <laughs> it it's Star Wars like language, right? It sounds it, it, absolutely, and it sounds like it's Splinter saying, "What is it, Iba Kakriba? Iba Kriba. Iba yeah. Kribaka. It's Uta Gunta Solo. I did not catch that. <laughs> it sounds I did not like catch complete that either. gibberish. 
trying to sound Japanese, but it sounds like a Star Wars. It's, but it's absolutely <laughs> the voice actor for Splinter, too. Yeah. Doing the Star War. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Interesting. This is a really deep couple of minutes here. Thank you, Sean, for all of all that right. analysis. Um, hey, listen, while we're on the topic of talking about a crap load of stuff, you guys should definitely go listen to uh, Tales from the Short Box this week, where Adam's going to be talking about a crap load of comic books that came out this week. Right, Adam? Yeah, that's out today. Um, barring any natural disasters. But um, yeah, every every Wednesday we talk about last week's comics. So go check that out at Tales from the Short Box. Follow us on the socials at last week's comics. And then go listen to uh, Chris on uh, his True show. Believers. True Believers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if there is a currently running Hulu Plus, uh, I mean not Hulu Plus, but Disney Plus uh, Marvel show, then uh, me and the gang over at True Believers will be podcasting about and putting that out on Wednesdays. But given that we're recording this so many months in advance of releasing it, I'm not sure if those schedules match up and if that's actually happening. So if you, you can just go check it out. The- if you, you haven't go, listened to yeah. the past episodes, yeah, go listen yeah. to the old ones. Go listen to those. We um, talk about everything. And we could let Sean do his normal plugs, but I feel like this is a good opportunity to mention that Sean is going to be one of the main cast members in a new Dueling Genre podcast that we're calling Table Pop, uh, where we are going to be playing some some RPGs in a kind of interesting style, right, Sean? Yes. Uh, uh, we're going to do like, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to do the original systems for like various pop culture things uh yeah so it kind of we did ninja turtles you know up from below this sort of generated the idea we're doing a spin-off of that um and we got sean ralph atanasia is going to be back with us this crew we have some other people that are going to be joining us for that game and uh all of us have been really really looking forward to it adam has basically said can we just finish ninja turtles already so we can go <laughs> do I, I love this plan I'm glad to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think Adam, it that might have been hint. your your suggestion as to which franchise we are going to be covering first on Table Pop on the Dueling Genre Network. We're going to do Ghostbusters because there there was an original Ghostbusters game, and Sean is in the process of trying to track that down for us <laughs> so that we can play it for you guys. <laughs> but we, so we actually, Holy Grail. We, and th- and we sat down months ago yeah. now and and made characters. I forgot my character's already. name. I lost my sheet. We'll have I to do it. We're going to have to I'll, do it again. I'll archive it, yeah. But anyway, the point is you guys should head over to duelinggenre.com and subscribe to all the podcasts over there, but especially Table Pop if you like hearing us. If it's not out <laughs> yet by the time this airs, it will be soon. Um, but you can also catch Sean at broadcast underscore 13.com. Yes, uh, it's yes. broadcast dash 13. Sorry. Sorry, broadcast dash 13.com if you want to hire Sean as a GM for any of your own personal role playing game yeah. needs. I still am learning I the lingo here, guys. <laughs> um, but for the crew here at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, Sean, Adam, Rachel, Chris, me, we're going to say goodbye and we'll catch you guys on Friday for the last little bit of this section of the movie. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Take care. Bye. Cowabunga. Cowabunga.